0: To keep them separated.
1: Welcome to the Final Ghost podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. I'm Anna, I'm the co founder of the Final Ghost Collective and your podcast host. And if you have any passing interest in horror, the only thing that anyone's been talking about for the past month, really, has been the Fear Street trilogy. And this episode is the last of our deep dives into Fear Street. Specifically, Fear Street 1666, which just got released on Netflix yesterday. And I'm joined in this episode by... Writer and actor, Zora Berber-Brown, and lecturer, Dr. Alison Pierce, who both individually spoke with me about the first and the second installments of The Fear Street Trilogy. And here we join forces and really deep dive into the last one into Fear Street 66, but also talk about the trilogy in general, how it worked, the way that it was released, the way that it was marketed, all the characters, what we expected and how we got surprised and outsmarted by the series. Suffice to say, the entirety of this episode is completely spoilerific from the very start, not just of Fear Street 1666, but of the entire trilogy. And if you haven't seen any of the films, if you haven't seen the last one, perhaps, you know, go and watch them and then listen to this episode. But that's entirely up to you. And if you do want to listen to our thoughts on the first two films, those are also on this feed. Plus have an exclusive interview with Fear Street director and co-writer Lee Janiak that I released just yesterday on this very feed. I'll link to all of that in the show notes. I should also say if you're interested in finding out more about The Final Girls you can find out all about our work online at thefinalgirls.co.uk. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We're currently prepping our next full season so if Any reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts really help people discover the show in between seasons and we'd really, really appreciate that. We also publish bonus episodes over in our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash The Final Goals. Find us there and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for original and newly commissioned essays on horror, film, TV and culture. And with all of that said, please enjoy our deep dive into Fear Street 1666. Welcome both of you. Allison is our Hello.
2: Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
1: Um, it's it's rare that we do three way episodes on this podcast, but I'm always really excited when we do manage to do one. So I'm I'm chuffed that this has come together where we Zara, you and I spoke about 1994, and Alison, you and I spoke about 78, and now we all mm-hmm. come together to talk about the finale of the Fear Street trilogy. Yes,
2: <laughs> this is actually my my second final girls three way. So I'm actually. like... <laughs> an old pro now so you are
3: oh no and I'm the innocent new one so you'll have to be gentle
1: (laughs) (laughs) well as per usual with me this got dirty very quickly it's not not (laughs) sorry it's not it's not even a minute of recording and we've already like made this into a threesome conversation (laughs) staying on brand Anna uh, (laughs) (laughs) so bringing it back to fear street um i wanted to ask you both you after you'd seen the first two films what Mm -hmm. were your expectations for the final one
3: i i was of of all three of them Mm -hmm. i was least looking forward to this one and there are reasons for this. I've um, I've read a lot of stuff about witches in the 1600s, like, um, you know, the Daylight Gate novel, um, burial rites. And I've watched quite a lot of stuff set in, like, original witchy times. And so much of witchcraft, like, the original witchcraft, not, like, 90s witches, is just about, like, the patriarchy. And it's just about, like, destroying women and the patriarchy. So I was like... Ugh it might be a bit grim Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I'm not as excited about this I kind of want it to be the 90s or the 70s again but it wasn't what I expected when I actually watched it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I don't know what you thought to it Zola I don't know how you felt about coming into it
2: I I think I was the same as you like mm-hmm. I remember when me and Anna talked about the first one and obviously like mm. a big thing about the 90s one is the music and the 70s one yeah. there's like these very specific aesthetics and looks and things that you're expecting that are like exciting and I was like and then 1666 huh what's Hmm. what songs are going to be in that one and I was like (laughs) oh there's nothing really like (laughs) like automatically that links to to it apart from it being like Yoldy times um and so I felt I've just felt like a bit I felt I felt more at home in the first two like I knew what was coming Mm. kind of and the third one I really didn't know what was coming um and I also was like pleasantly surprised Mm. I was like oh this is actually different to what I thought and it's actually really well linked to the other two tech stories um it did actually really tie it in and we weren't there for a huge amount of time which was also very clever, I think. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also didn't know what to expect. I was like, "Is this just going to be the witch?"
3: <laughs> exactly. I was thinking <laughs> of the witch, and, I,
2: and apart from the last ten minutes, I found
3: the witch like completely traumatic. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it feels like a real feel-bad film until the end. And I sat through the witch at the cinema, and I went with my brother. And I was like, "You don't really want to see the witch with your brother," because you've got that slightly weird incesty vibe going on. And my <laughs> yeah. brother, my brother's like three years younger than me, and I was like oh I don't want to watch this with Chris. Uh, again, <laughs> I was like oh I don't like it and I came out just like oh I feel all sad and depressed now and I, I thought we were going to because you know they're, they're set just like 30 years apart the theistry mm-hmm, and yeah. the witch so I thought I was going to get more of that which why is why I was less excited mm.
0: Um,
1: I'm kind of with you both on that and that i i kind of expected a, the witch vibe and i didn't mm. i didn't actually expect the majority of the film to really be set in the 90s again which was Yay! a really pleasant surprise <laughs> <laughs> um, so so generally speaking uh with those expectations going in and with that kind of slight hesitancy what did you what did you make of it um is do you want to go first
2: yeah so i'm going to get it out of the way mm-hmm. the accents were terrible
1: oh my god they were so
3: bad I was like
2: terrible is, is, is that Irish
3: yeah. I'm not sure it, it was it Irish for to Jamaican a, a couple of times
2: yeah. <laughs> like um like, because like, Irish and Jamaican have the same sound changes so mm. unless you really know what you're doing it just sometimes a couple of lines I was like we're in Jamaica we're in Kingston um <laughs> <Yeah>. but uh <laughs> but like aside from that I get why they use the same actors mm. I feel like they could have been American if I'm completely honest I feel like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been entirely weird to like have it maybe slip to like a more mid-Atlantic American or something or a more like something but I was like I don't think it necessarily needs to be Irish but anyway
3: (laughs) well it wasn't anyway so
2: (laughs) yeah I was like oh okay this this is happening okay everyone's doing it all right um (laughs) um but apart from that I actually quite liked how they that they use the same actors yeah. which kind of mm-hmm. made you it brought you back to the idea of oh this is generations and generations of these yeah. people this has been affecting which mm-hmm. I think is kind of the point I'm not sure that everyone was necessarily related to all the people they were playing mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it kind of brought back to the idea that Shadyside and Sunnyvale have been like it's been forever it's been for a really long time that people have just been growing up with these things and this is the beginning of it um, and connected all these these characters to that same place, um, but yeah, I generally liked it. I I like the way they set it up at the town. It's very it was a like very crucible. Oh
1: <laughs> like, yes, extremely yes. crucible. Yeah,
2: like you know, just everyone's trying to go about their business, and then someone sees something they shouldn't, and then <laughs> everyone flips out. Like yeah. <laughs> I also love actually my favorite thing about it was the idea that teenagers are still teenagers. Mm in 1666 so teenagers are still like let's sneak off to the woods and get drunk and make out um because I 100% believe that's what they would have been doing Mm -hmm. this idea that teenagers of a different time were just like incredibly different people and didn't have like hormones or whatever is I hate that (laughs) when they raise that from Mm -hmm. like it's like they were the same they were just like in old times um and like we know that through history like there's like all the things about like roman graffiti is still like a penis (laughs) <laughs> it's like someone scrolling like cock, or like yeah, you know, yep. um, you know. Yeah, like, and the the, the- is the- gay. Like,
1: <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, like the ancient Egyptians would just be scribbling like tits in hieroglyphics. <laughs>
2: Exactly. So I'm just like, everyone's been the same forever. So yeah. yes, of course, teenagers would find a way to go and cut loose at some point And they would want to hump and make out with each other as well. That's exactly yeah. what would be happening. So that was my favorite thing about it. That's mm. how it was. F- they, they weren't going to do like witchcraft. They were going to like have a good time, um, yes. which would be frowned upon. And especially then, but like, I'm like, but well, yeah, that's what they would be doing. Um, so yeah, I love that about it. So I, I love that it was like just like they kept the heart of like teenagers through the whole thing. They mm. really made them the focus. And I really like that.
3: I think for me, it was also seeing the actors from the previous films, which I do think is smart. And mm-hmm. um, because like the jump between 90s and 70s is like essentially nothing. But the jump from 70s to the 1666 is massive. Mm. And so keeping them on, I was like, oh, look, there's Ziggy. Oh there we go. And it feels nice having the familiar faces and it is that sense of like it's all just a little bit of history repeating mm. isn't it? So mm. I was I was pleased by that. And um something that Anna and I talked about last time was how the um three films um really repeat they really um it works to have repeat viewings of them. Mm-hmm. You get more and more out of them. And I, at some point, I don't think I can watch them all again immediately because I've been doing quite a lot of First Street stuff recently. But (laughs) I'm thinking like a (laughs) a month or two's break, I'd like Mm. to go back and watch all three of them again. And I think just that sense of how well they're actually all connected up, Mm. which you don't get, I think, fully on the first time around. Because there's actually quite a lot of complex plot going on. I think you can miss it. So there was something really nice about getting the actors in on the early one and just saying, oh, right, okay, this is just repeating and repeating and repeating. And mm. I found that very pleasing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You both brought up kind of the liking the actors playing themselves i think that was a little bit of a surprise for me like i didn't Mm. um i didn't i didn't expect it but it makes so much thematic sense and and kind of connects the character of dina so much more with the character of sarah freer and and one thing i think really worked well for me is because in the first um and you know it's the bookend of the second one the relationship and the love story between dina and sam is kind of the 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 big motive the big motivation and the heart of the story yeah i love that it's kind of transplanted into the the 1600s and we see them basically doing the same thing except with the pixies uh, ex- without the pixies they're still kind of want to sneak <laughs> off and make out in the yeah. woods <laughs> so what do you make of um, um their love story and and in particular kind of that being the center of sarah Fear's story as well
3: I, I, I had some I had some thoughts about this. I was mm-hmm. watching the first time I was watching 1666, and it got to the end where, as we all well, the end of the 1666 bit, where as mm-hmm. we know, um, she gets Sarah gets um, hoisted up on a tree and killed, and I was like, Ah, oh, like. I was feeling really conflicted because I feel like the Fear Street series is really contemporary. It's really forward-facing and it felt awfully like bury your Gaze. Like they've made all these links between like queerness and witchcraft in terms of, you know, you could see them as parallels for each other, you mm-hmm. know, and Sarah's dagger there's always been a strangeness within you and you go, oh, I'm supposed to read, does that mean witchcraft or queer? Mm-hmm. And then when <laughs> she was killed, I was like, oh, Like, I get that it's horror and you know, people die. But as like I feel like every every iteration is like watching queer girls getting killed. But but to bring it back, I feel by the end of the film they were like, We knew about the bury your gaze trope. We knew that you don't do that anymore. And we're gonna finish with gigantic with kissing and everything's wonderful. So I don't know, I think tonally it just felt so grim when Sarah fear died that i was like oh, don't make the gay girl die mm. do you know what i mean it was mm-hmm. like it's horror so they're gonna and Sarah fear is always gonna die but i felt i just i was a bit as a bit tired of like queer girls really getting it <laughs> until the end and then it was
2: lovely <laughs> i think i get what you're saying actually yeah yeah but i i think um i really like that it tied Sarah Freer to like like you said Anna to to Dina Mm
0: -hmm. that
2: they have a lot more in common actually um than than we first anticipated and maybe that's why they're the ones who have like kind of been chosen Mm -hmm. um because it's a story that they recognize or and I love actually that it wasn't even because i feel like in a in another witch setting in in a film that was just set in this time mm-hmm. like the crucible or something if they found out yeah. someone was gay they probably would call them a witch and all that stuff mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i kind of like that they subverted that even a little bit by not making that even the real sole reason mm-hmm. they yes. were just kind of scapegoated to cover something else yes, yes. it was just convenient it wasn't even like, oh my God, okay, <laughs> quick, let's hang her. It was literally like, oh shit, this is really convenient because now I can cover up all the evil shit I'm doing. Yes. Um, like, so. I kind I of love even you. That- <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that it wasn't even that. It wasn't mm. even just like they were all horrified. It was just like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> um, so, and it was also that it was Sarah protecting, you know, her mm-hmm. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was sweet. I- that was, I like that it was that too. It wasn't just she was caught, dragged out, they were both hand. It was like, no, yeah. she, she chose to protect her. Mm. So they were like, I think, I feel like in every way that c- it could be, they subverted it, mm-hmm. um, but still made it the story that we know. Mm-hmm. Um mm. I would like to publicly apologize for calling Sarah Thera grouchy porch witch in the first (laughs) um, installment of these. I was like, uh, well, the town, I mean, I don't agree with hanging her, but they were right that she was a witch. Cl- no
1: <laughs> that was uh, that was actually really funny um <laughs> recording that with you is because we did that one via zoom so we could see each other's faces mm-hmm. and i remember telling you at that time i was working so hard to keep a poker face because i'd seen all three films at that point and you'd only seen the first one i was like don't don't betray anything
2: she was a really good one she's kind co- to town for like flipping years. She's great. Um, and I was like, like, you're going to have what... to apologize
1: to Sarah afterwards.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, Sarah. such a bones. Like it's fine. Um, and now I'm just like, oh, sorry, Sarah, my mistake. Of course, it was just that you were like a woman in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> That's all it was.
1: <laughs> but I do, I do love what you highlight there, which is like there is a moment of of choice. It's limited choice, of mm. course, but mm. there is a moment where she sort of sees the situation and kind of sees you know, a bad door and a worse door. And she's like, you know what, I can I can scapegoat myself. I can lean into this and sacrifice myself. And I know that my, the woman I love will be protected if I do that. So Mm. but if I don't it will I will still get killed and then my yeah. girlfriend will probably get killed as well. Yeah. So there is like a little bit of sort of that taking back of power that I really liked in that situation. I mean it sucked and she was um, you know, wrongfully accused and, and scapegoated to cover up for we will talk about Nick Good <laughs> later on, but <laughs> don't even want to say his name. Um <laughs> But I I love the kind of that aspect of it, and then the parallels with uh, Ziggy's story as well, and how she mm. was chased and and sort of h- hung up on this tree and kind of tortured yeah. and looked at by the same actors as well, the same actors yeah. from ninety four and seventy eight. It really um it really kind of I think drilled down that cyclical nature of of trauma.
3: Yeah, yeah. but what did we think though then about the fact that Seraphia is innocent? And not even actually a witch. Like, what? What? What did you two make of that?
1: Well, <laughs> I love that you just read out my question. <laughs> I totally did.
3: I totally did. I was, I was just bringing it on. I was moving it forward.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that's a that's a good point, actually, uh, Alison. I, I wanted next to talk about the twist and the reveal of Sarah. Well, the first yeah. of the two, the fact that Sarah's not actually a practicing witch. She becomes a witch by by being burned and, and tortured as one.
2: Um, I really like, so, so this is my issue with the witch that, that film Mm -hmm. was that I was like, oh, then she is a witch. And I was like, because they were so true to like, They kept all the, it was from um, diary entries, right? Like the dialogue Mm -hmm. from that film. So I was like, you kept true to it. And the truth was, they were just murdering a lot of women who weren't doing anything. (laughs) Um, So to make her a witch, I was a bit like, well, (laughs) she wasn't. Like they weren't. And it would have been great because then they wouldn't have to be persecuted. If you were like an actual witch, why would you sit around and be like, I don't know. But so... um, I kind of liked that she wasn't and like all the things that become legend like her cutting off her own hand which obviously she didn't it just actually gets yeah. like mm-hmm. quite brutally like torn off and stuff like um I I actually like that they kept it like that that there was nothing actually magical or uh I don't know about her um because I'm like this is actually what was happening <laughs> Yes, I mean there wasn't a guy like also doing like summonses of like whatever, but what was actually <laughs> happening is that <laughs> someone just decided, and then just the whole town like would turn so quickly, um, like everyone who knew them would just that be and people there was no way to prove you weren't you just could insist, mm-hmm. and that that was it, and that and if people believed it, then that's it for you, like you're screwed. Yeah, there's like mm-hmm. no real way out of it, um, so. Um, I actually really like that they did that. And that actually through, because of her persecution, because of what happened to her, mm. because it was so brutal and so mm. bad and so heinous, that that's what kept her like spirit or whatever alive. And that's what was, ma- was able to make her still connected to that earth and that place and mm. to connect to the people in the nineties. I love that that was that way round. Mm-hmm. It's mm. like, if you hadn't had done something so heinous that you know he might have got away with it, do you know what I mean, like mm. if he hadn't persecuted her in the run up to it or in in a way to cover it, um he might have actually like you know no one maybe would have known ever mm. so um, I kind of like that he kind of makes her magic or mm. makes her like yeah. spiritual yeah. or whatever because of that, um she gets to like survive in some way through time mm. um. Mm. Unfortunately, the women back then don't get to that. But, like, do you mean I just I really hate when they make it like, oh, she was a witch girl, like, but they weren't witches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they,
0: they were, were women. They people. were just <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, so it... I actually kind of love that about it. It really reminded me of the film.
1: I don't know if you both have seen it called uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes. No, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, I won't spoil it but... <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> moving on moving on oh
2: god (laughs) there's no way to talk about it without like
3: you can um, spoil it i'll i'll live i'll live there's always 10 million horror films i'm supposed to be watching are you sure Alison? (laughs) yeah go for it
1: so in that film uh there's an autopsy of a of a young woman a creepy corpse who kind of remains uh quite well preserved despite you know, having just been found. Mm. And it transpires that she, a lot of spooky stuff, witchy stuff starts happening. Uh The coroners think that she's a witch. What they find out is that she was tortured as a witch, but wasn't actually one, just a woman, like we've been mm. talking about. Uh, but because of the sheer amount of pain and, and suffering that she went through, they essentially conjured up her power. Yeah. So she became a witch because she was tried as one, um, because of that that injustice and that rage and stuff that mm. kept on, and that magic and that power manifested after her physical death, um, and I kind of love that as well about Sarah fears that she she only becomes a witch basically in response to being uh, scapegoated by Nick's good magic, his actual satanic yeah. kind of conjurings.
3: I just think you two have got like a more subtle and nuanced expectation of horror than me because (laughs) like everything you're saying is right and it it has like much more like resonance and depth when you say it like that but I was like you know when when um, Sarah says to Hannah let's just go get the book from the woods let's summon up the devil and make a deal yeah and and Hannah's like "Mm, I'm not sure about that and then they don't and I was like go get the book, go get the book,
0: <laughs> like,
3: like everything you're saying makes complete sense and has that deep resonance, but for me I was like bring the devil, destroy all these people, <laughs> like I just, I like, I like my action, I, I, wanted, I wanted to see Sarah go full demonic and mm. just destroy everyone and I was like she's not a witch. <laughs> oh after all that and she's not a witch. So even though everything you, you would... said is deep, I I was a bit sad there was no devil. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. You went the full what's the new Sabrina call? The like yeah. the yeah, what's yeah. it what's the new Sabrina called? You went that way. She's like, I'm actually the queen of hell, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: That's the version uh, I was hoping turns for. Out. It has to be
1: said. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you? What did you make then, um, Allison? Let, let's let's start with you because you were so disappointed by Seraphir <laughs> not being a witch. <laughs> did you enjoy the fact that it was Nick Good actually who was the the devil worshipping witch?
3: Well, I was just slightly um, blindsided by it. I was like, mm. oh, it's him. Like, I was like, oh, all oh, right, fine. Okay, then. Um, I was a bit surprised. It was like when we talked about 78 and you mm. were like, so what do you think to Nick Good? And at that point I'd seen 1666 and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's an asshole is what mm-hmm. I wanted to say. But I felt we'd to level that out in case of spoilers. So yeah. the fact that he essentially is a devil incarnate, it was, it was fine. He just, I don't know. He, he'd like, he just, I feel like I could take him out. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like I wasn't like he does. Like he doesn't scare me. Like I could totally have him in a fight. And so even though like he's got all these occult powers, I just feel like I'd smack him, and it'd be like over. Oh my
1: god! I (laughs) I I am surprised and. Not opposed to the scholar on you, Allison.
2: I vote for Allison to do like an, an alternate version of this uh, this particular film, where yes. like Sarah becomes queen of hell and yeah. Allison just gives him a quick smack. Yeah,
3: I just got. I and could it's over. Yeah. And then they just yeah. live happily ever after.
1: I love it. I'm here for it. Please funded, it. <laughs> fierce Street Remix. Uh, Fear Street 1666 oh, yeah. Remix. Where, um, Alice, what's his name? Ashley Zuckerman, the actor who plays Dengo, yeah. just gets smacked for like 19
3: minutes yeah. straight. Like, shut <laughs> up and just smack him on the
2: face a few times. I do know what you mean about him. He's like, you know, sometimes in films where there's been a, a character who's been playing the good character all, mm-hmm. t- all the whole time and then they switch yeah. to like, you find out they're bad. Like, a really good example is um, in Get Out um, mm-hmm, with yes. the girlfriend, right? Yes. Like, not that she was good before, but that switch is actually really terrifying. Goodness. You're like, yes. oh, oh, <laughs> you are unhinged. And yeah. we never, I feel like we never quite get that with Nick where It's like, oh, actually, you're quite scary. Mm, um, yeah. There's not, like, that turn when we know that makes him, like, <gasps> a real threat. I mm, know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, he's, uh, when Dean is chasing him, I won't, like, reveal the end, but when Dean is chasing him at the end, he's really running. <laughs> Quite a little bit he is actually like like terrified and properly like let me get away <laughs> he's not oh, there no. like let's start this fight he's like ah Dina no yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry. I get what you mean <laughs> I, I
1: I think that in our in our last conversation Alison we both agreed that Nick was an asshole um, yeah because of yeah. how yeah. he treated Ziggy but in this one the reveal Um, in the kind of in the olden times that he's behind it is such a it's such an incel move it's like oh i deserve better and i'm not getting (laughs) better so i'm gonna summon the powers of hell yeah yeah. totally i I want my power
3: i want my legacy to leave we'll just work harder you (laughs) know
2: but but also i'm sorry but it's so fucking lame he's like you summoned the devil and it wasn't like i'm gonna be like i'm gonna fucking run this town he's like oh no one day my great ancestor will be like a cop
0: and the other one will be like
2: a mayor of this one small town like i'll just make one side of the town really nice like what a shit thing if you summon the devil like, exactly. You're not exactly. the richest man in the world. You're not like fucking flying on jets and like having sex with supermodels. You're like, no, no. I just w- really hope that my great, 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 great grandson is a cop one day. Like, yeah. And I get some good ab- cops. Yeah, absolute nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I just hope that you know people who live on my side of town have really nice houses. Like, <sighs> just just an absolute waste of devil summoning, if totally. you ask me. Like totally. what? Like dream. Big there, like yeah. you know, Nick Good, like I just absolutely awful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was just disappointed with his choice. I love that I there's now
1: another it. um prequel, perhaps a, a spin off <laughs> of the Fierce street trilogy that's come out of this conversation where uh, one of Nick Good's perhaps like ancestors decides to go wild and dream big. as yeah. like actually, I want to be Elon Musk, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> as <laughs> opposed me, to having Musk. a nine to five. But-
2: Even that, Elon Musk, if that's your biggest, if that's, if that's you, I mean, truly, I'd be beloved by everybody. I'd be loaded. I don't know. I I don't know. It'd be insane. I I just, I just feel like if you're going to go through the effort of like putting on a cloak and lighting some candles, like killing a goat, like Mm. changing the, (laughs) the earth, like actual, like, building tunnels with your like magic in mind or whatever. (laughs) To get the devil there and to pass it on from generation I'd be like, shit, we're gonna make this shit insane. We're gonna run everything. There'll be world peace, but because I'm in charge of everything. Like it won't be like, oh yeah, no I'm just gonna sit to my corner. I'm never gonna travel just every single one of my like family members are gonna like live here and do something kind <laughs> of mi- mi- minorly okay in this town is just such a shit dream um and it's so Nick disappointing is no good.
3: he's no, no good he has such a small town mentality like yeah. he really needs to get going doesn't he
2: yeah <laughs> he's like, a small town boy really <laughs> but that's it- why boys shouldn't be witches that's why this is yeah. exactly why well like, <laughs> yeah <the> <laughs>
1: Um, and and kind of, I wanted to pick up on the on the witchy aspect because Alison, there's something you brought up at the beginning of mm. like the the sort of old timey witches, the 17th century uh, style witchcraft movies, which I think got a lot more play in the 70s with the whole kind of yeah. rise of folklore especially British folklore films, yeah. um, versus the 90s witch craze. <laughs> um, and how do how do you and this is for both of you really? How do you think this film kind of combines both of those sensibilities? I um I was thinking about
3: this and um I think it's it's doing something interesting that I didn't entirely expect. So like being a good researcher I was doing my um, prep for coming on today and I was looking at um, how the w- witches have been represented in horror films over the decades mm. and like thir- 1930s to 1950s there's really not many witches going on at all. They only really start picking up in the 60s but they tend to be in like covens and it's not until you get to the 90s that you have like a single woman witch who's a big central figure of horror. So in that sense a kind of speaking to that i think really Mm -hmm. but then the fact that she's not a witch and that she's actually like a poor young woman who is being put upon for essentially not knowing her place not conforming to the sexuality of the period and being a bit gobby like that's not it's like pre-horror Like, the horror was at least doing the witches as monsters, but this is going back to just the kind of stuff Zora was talking about, of just it being shit, being a woman.
0: Hmm. So
3: it's kind of, it's picking up elements, I would say, of um, the differing representations of witches in horror, but it's going going in on the big central, like, real-life patriarchy stuff, I think. And, you know, that Hmm. is really actually more terrifying than anything else.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I was like, what's actually scary about that time is the fact that at any point someone could just decide something huge about your life and you would have no say in it. It's like terrifying. Mm. Um, You could just be doing completely normal things and then someone just decides to accuse you of something and you're like screwed. Um, And I think it ties in like what you're talking about, the coven and stuff. Yeah. Yeah about like, yeah, I, that that feels for me, like uh, when I think of witch ones, my mind actually firstly goes to like the craft. <laughs> like lots oh, of yeah. teens. Teens. Always. Like teen Correct. witch things. Yes. Yeah. So I quite like that they, like not, obviously none of them are witches, but they tie it in with just the teens being in the woods and that they have yeah. this little thing they say to each other, which yeah. feels very much like that, which is often missing from films that are based in that time or of that genre of that connection of just actual people I feel like when yes. stuff's set in that time usually there's very little connection of people even mm-hmm. like all everyone's just in the town and it's like yes there's the reverend there's the baker but it doesn't <laughs> seem like they, there's really any like huge amounts of interpersonal relationships um even yeah. friendships so it was nice to see that because I'm like, oh, this feels like something else. This feels like a, yes. its own thing. And there's that guy that comes on to, um, is it Hannah? And um, yes. Sarah, like, stops yeah. him. And even that thing of, like, she would really be a threat of that. And that, you know, Sarah was protecting her all the time anyway. Like, I don't know, from, from everything, which is, like, just men in general. And, <laughs> and like, then the town and... um so I kind of like that it had that element, which I feel like is not really there in a lot of those those stories. Yeah, like them as people,
0: mm, actually, yes.
2: um, with like inner lives and thoughts that aren't just like, oh, I gotta wake up in old timey times and do old timey things. Like they don't <laughs> tend to have go, like go tend to like, the field. <laughs> yeah, they're never thinking about anything else about the next thing they have to do. It's like they're people. Um, yeah. I think that's often missing. So um, I really like that about it. I think Mm -hmm. it married those ideas really well. And it kind of sets up
3: um, the whole thing across the um, trilogy, doesn't it, about Mm. team life and team thoughts Mm. and team relationships and all that stuff about how like well to me like all the worst moments in the films come from people being horrible to each Mm -hmm. other it's Mm -hmm. not from the monsters or from anything occult Mm -hmm. all of it is about like how bloody hard it is being a teenager and then how all the very worst things that happen happen because of other people
1: not because of curses and on that note actually what did you make of the this feels like I think I'd, I'd argue kind of the most brutal of of the fear street films um mm. what did you make of the actual kind of violence and gore of it?
3: I was really um distressed by the church scene with the children <laughs> oh. so I you know this is what I hinted at on the 78 when I said there's been a couple of times in the first Street films when I've gone oh. Oh wow, that's that's nasty. So the poor young boy who was guarding for Shady Side in seventy eight, who gets it, I yep. was like oh no he's really sweet don't kill him he's got glasses and he's really nice (laughs) and then when they went into the church and I was like is that somebody's face on the floor is that eyeballs on the floor and I was like oh it's okay the pastor's gone mad and blinded himself oh no like the pastor's killed all of the children and I was like don't kill all the children so I was quite shocked at Mm. them really going in on that I was really surprised I, I was you know I don't get that unsettled. I mean, I don't watch really nasty horror. Me and Anna have talked about this before. I'm not here for really nasty yeah. horror, but... I'm here I don't, for it. You're, I know yeah. you're here for it. Like, be destroyed by it. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but I was quite surprised at how much it unsettled me in places. Mm. I really was.
2: Um, I quite liked so in when me and Anna talked about these films, I was just like, I want more killers. <laughs> that more like my biggest gripe. I yeah. was like, I want to, know, I want to see all the murderers. I want to see what they did. I want yeah. to see what happened. I want their backstory. So I was like, yeah, there's a pre g started it all. So I was just like, like collecting them like Pokemon, <laughs> yeah. just counting or the, ticking them off my little list. I was like, yeah. oh, there's that one. That's exciting. Um, so I was actually like, it was really gruesome. It was more gruesome, than, but the first, the deaths in the first one were quite gruesome. So I was kind of like, mm. this is actually on par. Mm. And like like you said, in 78, when the kids, it was always like the kids, you're like, they're surely not going to kill these yeah. these small children. And then <laughs> it was like, oh no. <laughs> they, they murdered have, all of them. <laughs> They let it all happen. All the children are gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, they're not going to hold back for this. And so seeing that yeah. scene, it was the parents coming in, it being like them slowly yes. realizing as we realize like, oh my God, all their eyes are gone. Um, but I was just quite excited to see all the killers. Like, the killers were quite (laughs) exciting for me. (laughs) I know what you mean. I I was just like, oh, this is, and it was also because earlier on, he was like this quite nice figure, right? Mm. So especially, it was like, especially, I'm glad we got to see a bit of the preacher before, he turned mm,
0: mm-hmm. because
2: he like you know he's joking the kids like sing that song about him and he jokes with them and it's a joke about eyes and it makes you like oh is that how it connects they just pick one random thing like yeah. when when they put their name on the stone is mm-hmm. it just one random thing from their life that they go well that's what how we're going to connect you to like the the murders you do um because he sings a, a song with the kids that's about like their eyes, or being blind, or something. So I actually um,
1: have some info on this uh, that ooh, came up on. in my um, in my interview with Lejania, because she she mentioned like this: they have backstories for all the killers mm-hmm. um, that are not included in the film. But they the way that she spoke about it was that the the seraphir kind of curse, well, the Nick good curse, really, would mm-hmm. sort of exaggerate the worst parts of that person, or sort of like tap into these things from their lives that then would get kind of twisted and and perverted into violence Mm. um so she didn't talk about the preacher but she did talk about the milkman as like being Mm. um kind of being a a war vet who had been scarred in the war and then when he went after women he went after the women who he despite not being like a violent person thought that were looking at him weird (laughs) so the nastiness kind of came from perhaps like a a a very human sense of insecurity or self-consciousness but then with the curse and with the magic just got blown up into um serial killing
2: which was i, I have so many more questions about the kid one then i'm like what was he doing yeah. what yeah. was happening in that kid's head that he was like yeah i'm yeah. we'll putting a mask and kill people with baseball bats hmm. but um maybe maybe he
1: lost at a rounders game and then that's
0: yeah yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) that one bad rounders game everyone will pay now but like yeah I just I really liked
0: Hmm.
2: um I I especially like the that the the, we haven't got there yet but the when we go back to the 90s Mm -hmm. yeah the um all those scenes and obviously I yeah I, I did like it because all the killers were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> I like murderers, it's great. You and uh, <laughs> had your serial killer bingo ready. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, this is fantastic. Um but um yeah, I quite like that they didn't hold back because yeah. what I was saying um to Anna about 94 when we talked about that was when we see the death of um oh I've forgotten the poor girl's name, um Kate. Kate, Kate, yeah, yeah, and the, it the red... Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's the bed machine. Yeah, I really didn't. I really thought it just looked like one of those fights where she'd like yank up at the end and like wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't happen. And then it was like, oh, oh, uh, there's sliced head. And so I was like, <laughs> oh my god, what? And so uh, it it just kind of I kind of like they didn't mollycoddle, even though like it's yeah. teens. It's like mm. this is really actually brutal. Mm. They are gonna die really scary horrible yeah. violent deaths if they don't figure out mm. a way out of this there's no part of this that's going to be like oh maybe it isn't so bad it's going to be really horrendous yeah um yeah so I kind of like they didn't hold back from it <laughs> um that it was like genuinely like the the how scared they were mm. it's like yeah it's not just you're gonna die you're gonna die some really horrible way
1: I think because, that really that really I think uh amplified the sense of danger for me. Cause I think yes. that's one of the things um from the nineties films that the sense of danger was not as intense. It's usually quite it's <laughs> yeah, they're usually yeah. quite grounded. It's fun, you know, it's not yeah, it's yeah. not nasty killings. Um, not to dismiss the 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 depth and the psychology of nineties slashers. I love them, but <laughs> there is an element here of like, oh no, no, you were going to get uh brutally, brutally yeah murdered and disemboweled if you don't run fast enough if you don't outsmart these supernatural pretty much unkillable killers yeah, yeah,
3: completely. You've got that... It's exactly what you're saying about the kind of 90s and 2000s slashes where mm. essentially if you just go home from university, you'll probably be fine. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> here it's not going to happen. And, like, that bread slicing moment, mm. it's just like when um, Cindy gets stabbed at the end of the episode of um, 78 and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, she's not coming back from that. Nope. And, you know, like, you put the head go through the bread slice. So you're like, they're, n- they're not coming back from that, are they? Yeah. It's, oh. it's not...
1: Like when but, uh, Sarah's hand gets chopped off, it's like, oh, yeah. that is not getting reattached. That is yeah. not. No. you can't um, cover that, bandage that up.
3: There's no get out clauses here that are going to work. There's, there's, a, there's yes. a splendid pleasure in, um, in the um, violence and the display of the kills in these films which apart from when it's put children i'm definitely into as well
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i think now this feels like uh, you've brought us back into the 90s already zara but like let's stick in the 90s what did you what did you make of that part of the film which is both connected and and with so much more new information but as we have mentioned at the start neither of us were really expecting to go back to to the mm. 90s where we where we started the Fear Street Trilogy.
3: I was really surprised that I got 40 minutes of the 90s at the end, <laughs> but I was very, very happy about it. So as I said, I'd gone into 1666 going, oh God, is this just going to be the horror of the patriarchy? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to sit through this. And then it, w- it went back to the 90s, and not only did it go back to the 90s, it went back to the mall, which, you know, the mall is like one of my favourite places in Mm -hmm. horror films. And then it was, I felt like it recognised, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, that this isn't just the end of one film. Mm -hmm. This is the end of a huge story. And I think they really went for it in terms of the kills and the humor of it so we had all the killers and all the killers are killing each other and there's blood everywhere and she's covering herself in ck1 and it's very 90s and there's neon and there's a pizzeria and a mall (laughs) and it just it really it went for it like it could have been too much but i think it was like the right level of of excess and then such a pleasure to go back to the 90s and it just be filled with all of my favorite horror things so i was absolutely delighted when it happened quite frankly (laughs)
2: And it felt like when you went back to the 90s, finally, it felt like they had the upper hand. It really felt yeah. impossible that they could, it just felt like an impossible situation, I think, in the first two films. And yeah. then once they've seen what actually happened to Sarah and stuff, mm-hmm. you feel like for the first time, you're like, oh, they have, the up- they have a chance here. They have the upper hand now. Um, yes. They can figure this out, even if stuff goes slightly wrong or whatever, they can actually figure out. And I, I know in your interview, it came up about, like, Home Alone was one of the films yes. that they made them watch, which definitely, it feels like, like, very, like, violent Home Alone. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, That's perfect. Where they rig, like, this shop, like, um, greats and all this stuff to, like, mm, trap the yeah. killers. And it yeah. becomes, like, a serial killer, like, zoo for, like, a moment, <laughs> which I also really enjoyed. Um, I was like, this... Would be a great attraction. You just keep them in there. um But yeah, and it, it becomes really good. And what what is funny about it is because obviously all the killers turn up, and yeah, they're all they're fighting each other. It's a really good idea. They're all fighting each other. It's all great. Yes. Um, and when Mick Good turns up, <laughs> it's so good. Mick Good turns up. I really, I wish there was more kind of a reckoning with him and Ziggy mm. mm-hmm. because I think Ziggy deserved, I don't know, a bit more of a reck- reckoning. Yeah. With him um but then also i wish it was scary when he turned up it really wasn't
0: mm,
2: um yeah. you're like oh you're fucked now the kids like they, <laughs> you're what well, they have to deal with you're absolutely fucked like at this point um what was actually scary was sam getting loose um uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just see it like, I was like oh my god <laughs> Sam's like No one's watching Sam. He's uh, like, I've been chained to a
3: radiator for six yeah. hours of this film. I'm going to come out.
2: He uh, does hear, like, scuttling away. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, like, it's, and I wish that, like, he was actually more of a scary presence. Mm. Um, but I did love going back to the nice I did love them, like, figuring out what they need to do and kind of just everything for all those women through time for like Ziggy yep. for a sister mm. for Sarah for Hannah they've just like brought it all back to mm. and like figured it all out and I really really love that mm. um that it felt like a, I don't know like some sort of um what's the word I'm looking for not relief but like
0: I don't know. Just, yeah,
2: resolution yeah, resolution for all these people all these women yes all the shady siders but especially these like key mm-hmm. women through time the nurse who it was her daughter that got yes. turned there the, yeah. yeah like it was just felt really nice um (laughs) for that for that to happen and it was lovely wasn't it it was really sweet it was lovely (laughs) that the women got to like murder nick and yeah um it was so really nice (laughs) she really brought them all together and i just love that it was a teen girls as well like i love it It was them in the end that really figured everything out it was ziggy it was the teens it was like i loved it
1: it really felt like that um, another great '90s witch film that I love with all my heart, Practical Magic. Um, <laughs> at the end of that, when they get rid of another weak-willed man, um, yes. <laughs> they they do it kind of by sort of channeling all their ancestors and all the women who were wronged, or you know, in this, in the case of Practical mm. Magic, cursed. Um, and I mean, it's a, it's very corny, not like in this film, but it kind of reminded me of that of yeah. what of what you're um talking about kind of that resolution across generations as well
2: yeah yeah um and just kind of the idea that i kind of like anything that involves witchcraft which just mm -hmm. involves the idea of like well women are just inherently have magic in them because they're Mm -hmm. women um and it's not necessarily like oh i'm doing spells all the time it's just like no when you're around other women you can do things Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is kind of present in um Uh, Witches of Eastwick Mm -hmm. um, in the end of Practical Magic like it's just all the women from the phone tree who come but because they're all there it's still like magic Mm -hmm. and I love that it's just because of Dean's determination to save Sam which it seems also like no one's tried to do for anybody else which I love that their bond is that strong that Mm -hmm. she's not just like oh crap Sam's one of them now that's it. She's Bad. like, no, 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 no. There must be a way to figure this out. Yeah. Which for all the other um, shady-siders who turn, who get, like, possessed, mm. um, everyone's just been like, oh, they're going crazy. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know what happened. And, like, no one's really ever questioned it. The nurse, the mom of the girl, obviously figured out that something was up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, She knew the next killer was going to be, she attempted to kill him in 78, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, But she didn't figure out the details of it. But um, I just I I I love that it was it was that that made that even got them to this point was just Dina being absolutely adamant Mm
0: -hmm. that they save Sam
2: from the beginning when Sam's the target when they're clearly just after Sam Mm -hmm. to kill her or the killers she's like no like there must be a way to figure this out and then when sam turns even after sam stabs her she's like no (laughs) we can still work this out guys let me give me a second (laughs) let me think this through um and i love that it's that it's just like pure determination like Mm, and ziggy's answer was just understandably was just to hide away
0: Mm -hmm. for her
2: entire life and be like constantly in fear um that you know she was gonna at some point something was gonna come after her so even freeing her from that, like I just I love that it was just it freed these women up in some ways, and even after, it frees Dina and Sam up, that they're more openly yeah. together. They're, mm. I don't know, and it obviously frees Shady Side. I a big big fan
1: big fan Mm. of it all I mean there's something so poignant about what you said and it kind of I'm I was thinking as well about us just dunking on Nick Good as a villain of the fact that he's like not scary (laughs) enough and I think think that's really deliberate and I think it's it's so it makes Dina uh, so much more compelling uh and active of our character as well where she's like no no, we're fixing this. This is not yeah. happening, not on my watch. And I think that's so I mean, forgive me if I'm getting like overthinking this. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's this element as well of shady siders have always just been to- told and by everyone around them yeah. that they're shit, that they won't amount to anything. So everything that they're fighting for is through sheer grid and willpower. Whether a snig good has just been handed these. Demonic powers and has yeah. done fuck all with them. Has Sweet not, fuck all. Has yep. not really earned them. It's just kind of it's been hereditary. Yeah. And even in those moments, and we we spoke about this, Allison, of him like be being able to having the choice to protect yeah. Ziggy. Um, when she was at her most vulnerable, he's like, "Nah, I don't even have the balls to do that no. when everything is so easy." So I think he's. He's kind of scary, but not scary, because he's just a weak man. There's not really that much personality to him at all. And I think that's what makes him scariest, because he's just going to try to defend, kind of sort of defend, the thing that he's been used to, that he's been told is his birthright, but that he doesn't fully understand or possibly doesn't even want to understand the extent of the power that he has access to. He's menacing, I think, for what he represents, but not in himself. Exactly.
3: Mm. Like, as, like, a British person, I can't help join the kind of class analogies here. And the idea of, like, a young white man who's just been born into the privilege. And, like, Mm. that's essentially, like, what he's embodying, which is, you know, know, it's always like that. And we do it like that. And, you know, things work out quite well for us as a rule you know, and you're like, oh, oh, this is just what I feel like my professional life is like, (laughs) you know (laughs) what I mean? So it's that sense of him standing in for something Mm. rather than him needing to be like the monster per se, like the monster is the society around them, isn't Mm. it?
2: That's really true, actually, yeah, like, there's nothing scarier than like a pathetic man who just (laughs) just like seizes on opportunities to get ahead no matter who it like screws over yeah which i mean could be our entire government right now we can talk (laughs) about um so it is that thing of like yeah you're there's nothing special about you but for some reason you're in the position (laughs) of power Mm -hmm. um you are born into it (laughs) yeah and you've just and you don't even know what to do with it and you're just like i don't know wandering around like an idiot um yeah Like, I actually do, like, the bit where Dean is chasing him through the tunnels, she's literally like, Nick! (laughs) And so she becomes, like, the thing that's stalking him. Mm -hmm, And he, like, he really doesn't know what to do the minute his secret's discovered. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really have a plan for that. And that's also the thing that, like, which which fits in with that analogy in the sense of if anyone uncovers something or points out a really obvious, like, <laughs> but this is, like, this is what's happening. This is what you're doing. This is how you got here. They're just like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 like, he has no plan for if it's just taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he basically, again, I really can't get past the fact that essentially they're using, like, summoning of devil and like devil worship to lead a, a pretty normal life yeah, Nick yeah, Good yeah. doesn't even have a girlfriend like, <laughs> like um, he's just <laughs> just just to live a pretty normal I don't think even, it's not like he just handed the role of like sheriff or whatever um, mm. like <laughs> out of school, he worked up the ranks <laughs> to sheriff he just did normal things um, oh he's
1: so rubbish <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> he's a flop of a, of a witch. He's a flop oh, of really? a demon <laughs> worshipper.
2: And I'm just like, you don't even like, I don't know. You And Z didn't know this whole time. I'm dating Ziggy, this girl you've liked this whole time. You just, like, being sheriff on your own. Um, just arresting, like, graffiti. I don't know, just so lame. Um, and uh, it's just, um, so it's that thing of, like, you don't even really know what to do with this power. Yeah. Mm. You're just, like, you've just used it to live, like, what you consider a good life, like, a, a, which is just incredibly boring. Mm. You've just used yeah. it to continue be, to be boring. Um, and it, it's just, and also wanted to think of himself as a good guy, like, because he also he doesn't have to be considered that. that nothing would happen to him if yeah. he ran around being a dick. But he makes a point of like being to the kid, like I'm on your side. it's Like you still want everyone to think you're a nice man as well. Like, like why it's do you so care? pathetic? Exactly. <laughs> it's just so like, oh please, like me. Um, don't ask about my like devil activities. Like it's just, <laughs> um, and it, you're right. That there's nothing scarier than that. Just someone desperately, pathetically trying to cling on to power to do not very much of it with it just as long as no one else has it
1: there's nothing scarier than more menacing really in fiction and in real life Uh, than than a confident (laughs) mediocre man oh my god too much power (laughs) and too little imagination
3: everything is our saying i'm just like yep that's that's that politician that's that politician that's that politician this is like the entire british like constitution this is how it all works
2: and so it's like nail on head she's absolutely nailed it like um uh with the with with making him the, like the big mastermind because it's not even <laughs> the, really a mastermind it's just like some guy he's a henchman <laughs> he's just a henchman yeah <laughs> he's just some dude and even like like I said right so if this was me if I was like you know summoning the devil and mm. living my life on my mountaintop in my big house mm. um because that's what I'd be doing with it um and I was like oh these kids are on the verge of like ruining my entire shit like absolutely not yeah the first case he summons three killers i'd be like listen the whole roster is coming up <laughs> yeah the entire roster every generation of murderer is coming for you there is yeah. no way they would have escaped that but mm-hmm. he's like 3 oh, three i'm like think bigger <laughs> What are you doing? Even at the end, it's not even everyone then. I'm like, I'd have everybody up. (laughs) Everyone would be working. I have the undead, like, unstoppable murderers I could just summon at will. And you're like, "Mm, maybe six. Maybe
0: I don't know. Is that too
2: much? Like, actually, that one guy's on holiday. Like, what the fuck? Like, call everybody. Carnage. I want carnage. Um... Like it's just why not just destroy shady side? Why keep <laughs> yeah. them there? It's just baffling. The whole thing is really confusing He's like going to visuals and talking at football games. Like this is the life you're. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh. But like- <laughs>
1: I just want to give props to the actor who plays the good uh, <laughs> Ashley Kutcherman because you know what? It takes balls. It takes balls to play such a spineless little dweeb.
2: <laughs> oh yes, oh, he is. What a dweeb! Just oh, and he made his brother <laughs> mad. It's like your <laughs> even you gave your brother like a better job than you. Like yeah, what are <laughs> <that he's> you doing? <laughs> Why do you even have a job? This is. Yeah. A... This is my issue with like, every time we talk about super, like supernatural beings and stuff, Mm -hmm. I'm like, why would you give yourself a job? why would you be working like vampires why are you working um (laughs) kids why are you going to school you twat like what are you doing like just be at home be like have a great time i don't know so the fact that he gave himself and his brother like jobs even (laughs) it's like hilarious
1: can we also add like jobs in the public service
3: (laughs) yes yes yes. he's not even a banker
2: (laughs) It's not even like a fun. Like I'm just a really good guitarist. I just, I mean, this really cool fucking band. He's like, I'm a policeman. I'm uh, very high up in my very specific town. <laughs> Nowhere else. Like, what are you talking about? And um, we've
1: we've mentioned it a bit, but what did you guys make of the of the supernatural elements? Because we get a lot more of that in this in this film. Mm. Like the the cave, all the summoning, the practicalities, and through generations of the deal with the devil level that they do and how that manifests and how it ends what did you make of all of that
3: I thought they went they did quite well on it because you know they're combining different genres aren't Mm -hmm. they so you've got your your classic slasher which tends to start with at least not to be supernatural but they're kind of combining that then with the supernatural slasher and I never really felt like it jarred Mm -hmm. like it could have jarred I think quite badly because They are sort of two different things, but I kind of, I liked it. I liked going with it. I'm always there for Supernatural. This is what I mean about really one in, um so I fear to actually be a witch. Any time that someone hints at the supernatural, if it turns out not to be, I'm like, oh, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> so I was really glad that we got like full supernatural, loads of resurrection, killers on killers on killers, killers killing each other. And then they come back again and again, and it's never going to stop and blood everywhere. Like I was, I was very happy with all of that and the supernatural stuff and the killing. It, you don 't get as many supernatural slashes these days, I think mm-hmm. you know if it's full supernatural, it tends to be a bit more like ghostly and like longing in the past doesn't it? But you know mm-hmm. this was like full blood and supernatural, so i I find it very pleasing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think it actually makes sense because the slashes we're thinking of, Mm -hmm. the killers are kind of unkillable anyway, but for just no Mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just for
1: franchisers. It's it's (laughs) a trope of the genre and you just kind of go with it, whether it's here, there's a reason for it.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I'm just like, it kind of makes sense that they would be, because there's no, we just don't get a reason the rest of the time, so it's, it kind yeah. of works, that there's something that's always coming for you, um, and you can't really kill it, and it's a more obvious way, mm-hmm. um, and I I'm actually really curious, because it's I think one of the first that I, well, it's the only thing I can think of um, with a deal with the devil, where mm-hmm. there's not this payoff,
0: mm-hmm. like
2: yeah. so, for the person making the deal um, So, we're never told that, like, the previous, like, Nick Goodson's ancestors like, burning in hell now because they made this deal with the devil or anything. It just seems to be the payoff is just to kill Shadesides, which is not really a payoff for them. Mm. Um, So, that's quite interesting that it's just, like, kind of this, like, really great deal, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't know the devil made such good deals. Yeah, but it's like,
1: good. <laughs> I, I mean, it feels like it's, you know, to echo your point, Azar, from before, that this is a better deal for the devil than it is for the goods. Because they're basically just um having their regular nine to five jobs, like not asking for right. too much. They just yeah. want like, oh, can my family just be well off in this small town that we live in and we'll live yeah. in for the rest of our for the rest of our lineage we don't want to be Mm. president we don't want to be rich we don't want to be immortal nothing like really good um and then instead they just keep giving them like free souls yeah yeah they've not
3: watched death becomes her have they they don't realize they could be having
1: like eternal beauty and massive riches (laughs) yeah Yeah. so they're just like the devil's really ripping them off i think
2: yeah (laughs) oh yeah maybe that's it but like kind of but it's also just like they're Still, not really paying any consequences. Yeah, that's what I true, really love right. with yeah. like deals with the devil is usually it's like you're really it's a big choice because you're like definitely going to have to give something up, something mm-hmm. yeah is going to be hard for you down the line. And for generations of like the goods, it's it, nothing, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like having nice lives. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I'm like, this is like, I have you got this deal? Hmm. Um <laughs> And where do I where is, guess it? <laughs> yeah, Where, is, uh, where did he find uh, this deal? Um, but yeah, I just... I I. It, this, I guess it's also, like... It's even more frustrating that he found it so hard to make... He found it so hard, the fucking weak link in the chain of goods found it so hard to maintain. He had one job, which was to be normal and, like, hide <laughs> the fact that, like, you know, he's doing devil stuff. And he's managed to fuck it up. But, like... um. Yeah, it's just, like, you just had this, like, really simple great deal, it seems like, um, which is unusual. As like, have you ever watched a film? This never happens. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. live it up. Like, just do a good job of covering your track. Mm. And he's a cop. You feel like of all the people in the position to make sure that no one actually finds out the details of any of this, mm. like, the fact that he brings back the more killer, which I think is a key element to why it fucks up so bad, he yeah. brings back the most recent to go after them Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like why wouldn't you bring up one like why not bring back the preacher Mm. which maybe no (laughs) one's gonna one of the more obscure ones like (laughs) you brought back this the guy that these kids knew (laughs) from school that they know got a shot in the head like I don't know he really was a weak link. I just can't go it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I quite like the supernatural thing. Like I think, like mm. Alison was saying, you don't really get both a lot, mm-hmm. and it it and not done we, well it successfully. Like <laughs> wo- like so many things, mm. like that that feels like they shouldn't work together, mm-hmm. but somehow mm. did. Even them coming back to life was done really well. Even yeah. the fact that they you knew when they were all stabbing each other, it was just a distraction for a moment because it wasn't actually going to kill anyone. Mm, yeah. Even the 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 way it needed to be stopped, like you know, there's the thing about her bones which were in play, yeah. but then also there's that gross thing in the tunnels which if you touch it is something, and that's what all the killers <laughs> the come pulsating back from mass. that really gross like yeah yeah blob. like horrible <laughs> flesh mass. Um, But actually, it was just killing Nick that stopped it. But the fact that it's all still there, I don't know, it could so easily be brought back. I don't know, it's like really, because even at the very end, right, you have that bit where someone takes a book,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: right? So the idea, which is very keeping of like, the slashes of the 90s and stuff of like, oh, you think it's over, but not really. (laughs) Like, it could all happen again, it leaves it open. Um, Yeah. And I love that, yeah, someone else could just do that. Yes, they figured out how to stop this particular cycle, but there's nothing to stop any someone from just doing it again. Mm-hmm. And that's
3: so seeded, isn't it? It's like, yeah. so we, we know that if this goes well, we're going to get Ruby's story.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: that yeah. person took the book and we're going to see some of these other killers that mm-hmm. we didn't get to see yes. them in flashback. They're coming. They're so coming. Mm-hmm. As long as Netflix is happy with this. We need to see Ruby's story. Then, then well, it's all seeded. It's all seeded for us, isn't it? To keep it going. There's there's
2: so much that you could, they've they've given themselves so much to work with. Like I, I really hope if they do do this, I I need to see what happened to that kid. Like, honest to God, like yeah. I will actually throw something if I don't see that story. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think it ties in really really well, mm-hmm. and I think it still works in a certain like law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact that they figure it out is because it works within something that we understand. Yeah. So they're like, oh, so these are things that need to happen. Actually, mm-hmm. um, these these are the rules the killers are following. Mm-hmm. These are the rules we need to follow. These yeah. are things we need to correct. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so I, I think it, it w- works really well. because It still works within parameters. It has yeah. parameters. It's not just like, oh, anything can happen. It's going to be like crazy yeah. and we're going to do stuff that you just doesn't make any sense. It's just mm-hmm. like, no, there's still rules. Rules you recognize. But there's just a lot of them. Yeah.
0: Mm.
3: I feel like it's a sign really that the people who have made this know what they're doing with horror. Like so 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 many times you see horror films where people are like, Oh, we can shoot that cheaply and fast. We don't need many special effects. We'll just do horror, it'll be fine. There's only like three stories. Hmm. And it's always shit. And then what you need to do is like have people who love it and who understand all the different genres Mm -hmm. and understand the importance of the rules. Like you can give us the initial rules. They can be anything you like, like Nick Good could fly or whatever. We won't care. Like you could set them up at the beginning, but -hmm. then you have to follow them through. And they understand how important it is to set up the rules, set up the world, and then let it all play out to its Mm -hmm. conclusion. And there's no circumventing the rules or they went in one portal so they can't come back through it. Or nonsense, you know, nonsense Mm. to complicate things. There's just a recognition that the rules are important Mm -hmm. and they have to see them through to the end.
1: And to start wrapping up kind of this conversation, now that we've all seen um, all three films Mm. and, and this will be coming out on the Saturday after... The last Fear Street films comes out, so yeah. I wanted to ask you, kind of with with a little bit of hindsight of not just having seen all the films, but also seen them being released every Friday for the past three weeks, <laughs> um, and kind of the reaction, the cultural reaction to it. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the of structuring it this way and of separating it this one big giant story mm-hmm. um, into three distinct films and releasing them in this way, kind of across three weeks? on on
2: fridays well i really liked it because it kind of feels like the structure of the story anyway
0: mm-hmm, if yes. you see what
2: I mean like the whole point is that it's linked through time like the things that happened to these mm-hmm. kids in the 90s it's like well there are reasons and they're linked through all these other like things that happened um so i really like that it's kind of structured like that that is like well yeah because we have to go back a step and then we have to go back an even further step mm-hmm to to explain how we even got here and yeah I, I quite like that it gives you space mm-hmm. to yeah to kind of think about that and like consider like like I wasn't when we talked about the first film I had no idea clearly what was going to happen <laughs> in the end right so I didn't even know that, like, we were going to see the Axmen in the... Se- I didn't even know he came from the 70s. Like, like it was... Yeah. There was, like, all these things that, like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh my, that's who that is. That's... And so there's so many things to link back to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things you'll watch them all once, like you were saying, Alison. And then, yeah. in a, in a, like, a month or so, you'll want to watch them all together, maybe, yeah. in a row, because there's lots of stuff that then you would have missed that connects to, back to something yeah. else. And I also love that you see the town change. So, like mm-hmm. in '94, uh, that tree's in the mall, right? Mm-hmm. The tree, yeah. the tree yeah. that they hang Sarah from. In '78, yeah. it's in the it's in the camp, mm-hmm. um yeah. that yep. they tie Ziggy to. And then in '66, um, it's obviously where they hang Sarah Fair. So it's just yeah. I love it that there's all these connections. Like even the bits of the tunnel that come up in certain places, it comes yeah. up under the toilets in the camp and like under the mess like I love that that it's all so interwoven you get to see like oh there's still that entrance there and that's that makes sense because that was there in this film and this film and this film I love that about it and you only realize how connected it is at the end you're like oh that's how they can get there in the mall and that's how they can do all this stuff it's all just it's and it makes it feel like oh this is really all the same place I think you very rarely get that feeling of like This is really set in the same place Mm. um, just through like massive shifts in time. Um, So I think it works really well, personally.
3: um, I'm really geeky about story development. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know like more about the the history of how this came out, like whether if it was first envisaged as three films, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I found it very satisfying Watching it. Well, I watched them, you know, closer than a week and a week and Mm -hmm. a week, obviously, but, you know, that's how they're set up now. And I liked watching them like that streaming on demand and knowing that I could repeatedly re watch them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I assume they wouldn't have written them quite like this if they were just definitely going to have a straight theatrical release, because I'm I'm not sure if I would have felt as satisfied. It felt important, you know, in each viewing, it felt important to me that I could watch them quite quickly one after each other and go back and replay and replay Mm. and i just love to know more about like the different iterations of the script and the ideas because it is like one massive story and Mm. to me it's like it is an it is a story set in the 90s And, like, we were talking about it, weren't we, Anna? Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, it's essentially in the 90s and there's two big flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And um, I I love that, but it isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I don't know if it necessarily is actually three films Mm -hmm. or whether it's a big story that's released over three weeks. And so Mm -hmm. because I'm all... Obsessed with scripts and stories. I'm like, how did they come to this? Was this a plan from the beginning? Mm -hmm. What did they do originally? How did this evolve? When it came to Netflix, is that when they put the bridging bits at the beginning and the end? Was the '90s always popping backwards and Do you know this Mm -hmm. is the kind of stuff that I get like down a rabbit hole with because I love I love how story functions. So I'm like I'm fascinated by how they have marketed them as three films, but equally, and it makes sense. But equally they could have marketed it as like what six forty minute episodes or mm-hmm. whatever. And that would have worked as well. So I'm 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 really interested by the what what they've done here and how it's being marketed and how people are receiving it mm-hmm. because I feel like it's something like new that's happening now.
2: Do you
1: and know, do you know what I mean? I do. Mm. And I've got some thoughts on that, but actually I have another question for the both of you. Um Prompted by by your um by what you were saying, Allison, it's like now that you've seen all of them, now that mm. we've we've talked, you know, between us and also in general across different outlets and and yeah. with the culture at large, how do you feel the actual films themselves um differ from the way that they were marketed?
2: Mm. That's interesting because somehow they kept them a surprise. Mm-hmm. I was genuinely, yeah. less so in the 1600s in the sense of like, oh, I kind of know where we're going with the story mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But like, I had no clue. I really thought it was going to be three straight slashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they'd be linked somehow, but yeah. I didn't realize it'd be like one story. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I it made it, like, a surprise. Like, really, truly a surprise. I was just like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, I'm wrong yeah. about this. Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. And like we were saying about the 94 one, the 94 film has, like, three endings. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just it, you just, it kind of kept me on my toes. I really, I genuinely did not expect the film to be what it was like all the three mm. films or whatever like to be what they were um yeah like and we're saying in the first one as well like I I really didn't know I really I started off with Maya um um uh, what's her name not Maya Rudolph <laughs> entirely different person um May with Heather <laughs> yeah my hawk oh my god um it's like she was in it um, you missed her um yeah my hawk as, as heather at the beginning the mall mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. we said it's like scream it starts off yeah. being like this is what's going to be and it's like uh, 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 and it completely yeah. flips that and immediately because you find out who it is he's shot dead, so you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be slightly different, and then yeah. by the end of it, I was like, I really don't know what the plan is here, because they really also make you believe, they're like, Sarah is a witch, this is actually what it is, they, everyone's cursed, they have to figure out how to yeah. break the curse, they mm. let you think that for a really long time, <laughs> and then they're like, yes. actually, no, also not that, it's Nick Good, ha. haha, um, <laughs> ha-ha. um <laughs> So um, I think it's really clever, because I don't think anyone, unless you are just incredibly clever, was really, if they just know the films, I don't think anyone's expecting that to be yeah. the case. You might have even figured out that Nick Good is a bad guy, but I don't yeah. think you figured out exactly all the details mm-hmm. of everything. Um, I feel like it was almost impossible, which I don't know how they did. I think it's actually really smart to have not really given anything away, mm-hmm, to just yeah. been like, here's three new slashes that's all we're going to tell you they're, both, they're all set in these times yeah, yeah have, have fun have, guys have fun like, with I think that. It's actually really, yeah <laughs> like really clever to do that because fans are really savvy nowadays like they yes. from trailers they can figure out so much like so i'm because i was in like the second fantastic beast film and mm-hmm. from the trailer i'm not in the trailer from the trailer, fans figured out there's a tiny clip where you see a very faded shot, like, for less than a second of a family tree.
0: Mm-hmm. From
2: that, fans had screenshotted that and, like, <gasps> figured out who I was playing <laughs> oh my in god. the film. I, I love that. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs>
0: like, yeah,
2: like whoa. So, like, if someone's really into something, or well, people just, like, can click, yeah. they, they watch enough stuff, and, like, people can figure stuff out. So I think it was really smart mm. how they did it, because I had figured exactly zero out like mm-hmm. f- from anything that i'd seen or read about it um and i loved it i love that i was surprised i love that i didn't really know where it was or what was going on up until it was actually happening um yes yeah
3: i am i don't know how well the necessarily work is standalone films mm-hmm. i think like so for like 1666 the in the olden times we're only in there for like one hour
0: Mm -hmm. and I
3: think like if it finished just with (laughs) Sophia like hanging and you'd be like oh okay (laughs) that's a sad indictment of the patriarchal oppressions of Puritan era and like that would be it wouldn't it and I think 78 probably works as a standalone in that you know, we have Nick Good stood looking into the distance as like the ambulance goes, and so we go, "Oh, he's really a, he's really not a nice man." So that that has more of a standalone element, but for me, like you, you need the three of them.
0: Mm-hmm. This is
3: mm-hmm. what I meant about like if I went to see this at the cinema as a film, knowing there was another one coming out the following week, mm-hmm. I th- there's something I think about seeing it in a theatrical release. Not, I mean, it'd be fine now. Now I've seen them, I would love to see this in the cinema now, but if I was going in cold, Mm -hmm. I'd come away and I'd be like, oh, like, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure. But what works is the fact it's just like a giant serialized time hopping story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's one, it's one big thing. I'm sure you have thoughts on this, Anna.
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of, uh, I kind of agree with both of you. I think it was really, really clever, smart positioning and marketing yes. because they pitched it as essentially three distinct standalone slashers set in different periods, or like three distinct horror films mm. um, set in different periods, but also kind of connected. So my idea going in was that they might be like a shared theme or a shared vibe, but they yeah. would work individually. And I think the first two definitely work. Like, you can watch them and be fine. Like, you're satisfied. They do have sort of a a final, a finality to them. A great cliffhanger. But you could watch those two films and not watch the rest. Why would you, though? But... (laughs) (laughs) I think they they are kind of from the start designed as a whole, and then very cleverly positioned in a way that might attract as many people as possible, because I think the horror fans would lap this up anyway. Of course. But... Um, for a regular, for a regular kind of viewer who might not be as pop culture obsessed, like the idea of having to watch three films, same as the idea of having to watch like ten hours of a series, mm. is a little bit daunting. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake! Like I need to learn like a whole new mythology and all that stuff. Yeah. So the idea of presenting it sort of an, in film-sized episodes, being like, no, this is yeah. this is a full thing. This is a full adventure. You can have your fun with this one. You yeah. don't need to commit to watching the whole three. You'll get so much more if you do, though but yeah. it's you can still it still works individually it's like the the same approach mm. to um like the marvel cinematic universe it's like it's yeah. Yeah. it always needs to function as an individual film as a, whole, as a part of a bigger story and then also as a part of a much, much larger universe of stories yeah. that goes beyond the individual characters, the individual films, or even the particular franchise to which they belong. Um, so I think it was really, really smart. And honestly, just to echo Azura as well, I was really surprised. In yes. every single film, they kind of managed to both tap into and... Um, pandered to um, to fan expectations and to horror expectations while also subverting them. So it was always outsmarting Completely. me. Every single one of those films always outsmarted me. So I, I really love them for that.
0: Well
3: that's it. I feel I'm quite pretty like horror literate you know this is basically my job and although it's one of the more obvious ones as we've discussed I fully didn't realize grown-up Ziggy was Ziggy Mm. I fully thought Mm. it was Cindy and then I was like what yeah and you know like I like I know I know how horror works I have expectations like Anna was saying and every single time it did something else I didn't expect and I was Mm. like oh okay okay I'm on board with this (laughs)
2: literally until they confirmed it was Ziggy I was like I wasn't like, I was like, maybe it's, I was like, I kind of see how it's Ziggy. Yeah. And I was even trying to do like the math. I was like, how old was Cindy? <laughs> and how old would Ziggy be? Yeah. Like, it was really, it was so clever. And I, I agree with Alison in terms of like, because obviously if this was cinematic as well, if it had a theatrical release, it wouldn't even have been a week by week. It would have been like, here's the first one next year. Here's mm. the second one, which I think wouldn't have worked. Um, yeah. I think it works giving you a week in between I'm glad they didn't release them all at the same time.
0: Yes. I'm glad
2: it's like a week in between, but then they're there on a streaming service where you can go back and rewatch them and find all the things and pick it apart, mm. which you also couldn't do if it was a theatrical release. You'd just be like, Oh, I think this happened or Yeah. Mm-hmm. I quite quite remember and you'd have to wait to So I think the format actually really works. I think you're right. Um, especially the last one it doesn't. Re- it's not like a film you could just watch on its own.
3: Just be really sad.
2: Just be. <laughs> <laughs> Anna would love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I love my sad bastard horror. You know I do. But I kind of love that. That's what I mean. I kind of love that they did that. That they made you think they were going to be these standalone films, and they are like, mm-hmm. no, it's one story actually, and these are flashbacks. Um. Because I thought, like, so in my head, I just thought it was going to be, like, maybe one killer through all these times. Mm. And we were going to go back and see their origin story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is yes. like, how I thought it would potentially be. Yeah. Um. But, uh, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I was wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was really clever. And I... I think it's a really smart way to to still give you space and room and to, rather than just like do a big dump and maybe not have everyone watch it because it's a lot, it's mm. daunting to watch three films in a row. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: but then also make it not long enough that you've forgotten the first one or and then to, at the end of it have these three films that are all there for you. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I think it's really clever that they've done it and I think probably we'll see more people do stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I
3: was thinking, like, because I feel like this is going well for them. I <laughs> feel like Fair Street's going well. And the reactions that I'm seeing online when reviews mm. are really positive. So because I was always like, I wonder why you haven't done this as a t- why haven't they cut it as a TV series? Why have they done this? But I found some of Anna's reasons quite compelling for what works with it. And then now I am just thinking, who's going to see this and think we could do that? I would love to see how uh this, like, changes, um, like... I want to say the form but I literally mean like the the vessel that holds stories together mm-hmm, you know if mm. this makes people because of the positive kind of reactions like you need a really rich text like this is like this really mm. rewards all the repeat viewings but how this might change the way people think about form so if you know in the last kind of five ten years people are aware of streaming and the way that we can have really serialized narratives over mm-hmm. six twelve episodes but what might we do now with form in terms of film and multiple films and how much is that from like tv serialization it's 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 dead interesting to me i, I mean, am quite it's, geeky so. it's,
1: i mean it's <laughs> it's fascinating um from an industrial point of view which yeah. is i think what you're what you're talking about there and yeah. in that it's kind of i don't think fear street as it's been released and uh Told as the story's been told across these three films yeah. and marketed and positioned could exist without the previous like 10 15 years because yeah. it's boiling down, I think, a change in viewing habits. Um, yeah. twofold on the one hand, like if we think of big franchise films before, um, and still now, the way that they come out is like you'd get one film. Yeah. Even And actually, the second one, even though they were sort of greenlit, um, I'm thinking specifically of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. you still mm-hmm. have to wait like a year for the next one to come yes. out. So the the cycle was very theatrical based, very much kind of structured around cinema releases. And then the big explosion of serialized TV and how that's become kind of the most prestigious place for yeah. very good, very intricate storytelling and mm-hmm. has come to really dominate pop culture in a way that has overshadowed even film definitely and then plus the the rise as allison was talking about of the streaming services and that completely absorbing uh the way that people would view things because it's easy because it's it's more affordable and because yeah. they kind of transformed our viewing habits by by binge watching, well, Netflix did really, mm. and by giving us all the content all at once, and now we're seeing kind of a return to old school serialized television. I feel really yeah. weird saying old school, but like more <laughs> serialized, yeah. episodic television as opposed yeah. to binge watching, but also bringing in the th- the anticipation of franchises yeah. um, that are greenlit, that are presented and written as a whole, or a whole story just split up which is very ambitious storytelling but now we don't even have to wait that long we don't have to wait a year if i had to wait a year between fear street 94 and fear street 78 i'd probably forget half of the things that happened in the first one exactly and now not only can you rewatch it like you mentioned allison you also get a recap at the beginning and you can watch it like the week after i think that's super i think that's going to be super interesting for what comes next because it's like it's kind of pulling from a lot of the big audience shifts and storytelling shifts from the last 15 yes. years and trying something that makes sense and also is quite innovative
0: yeah, yeah it
3: feels really innovative and it works so well for horror. you know horror mm. and fantasy like it's was saying mm-hmm. but like, they have such committed audiences like horror fans fantasy fans they're going hard and deep on the stuff that they love Mm -hmm. so these are exactly the kinds of genres that you can do this kind of deep rich storytelling with and it still works but you can also um gamble to a degree because that core core audience will be there Mm -hmm. like regardless of what crazy things you do with story structure Mm -hmm. they will still be there and having a go
2: and i think it's also like the, the the in the more recent years the way we've seen like shorter series that and don't intend to have like ever a second season or anything mm-hmm. like Mare sounds it Sharp Scratches did it um uh for, to a certain extent the um True Detective um it's it's like oh it's too long for a film mm-hmm. and yes. it's not enough for it so here's six episodes here's like eight episodes and we've just told the story this one story, Mm. this story that that's it, then we're not gonna tell you any more of Mm -hmm. it. And I actually really love that. And I think people are enjoying that more, where it's like, oh, I get to be in this world for just this finite amount of time. I know when it's going to end. I know this is going to be like six weeks and it's going to finish. Mm. And um, I think there's something quite nice about that. We've seen with Fear Street, there's an option to do it with film as well. And Mm. yeah, to some extent, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of did that. But obviously they were, a lot of those were based on like theatrical releases as well. Mm -hmm. And it's only since Disney Plus that we can actually go back and watch them and they're doing stuff for shows and stuff now. But Mm. um, I do feel like people like that, that feeling of like, oh, okay, I don't have to sit down for a really long, like extended amount of time. I just don't think people have the attention span necessarily anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And... um, But then also, I know that this is the end of it. It's not Mm -hmm. just some like thing like gaping into the future. (laughs) That's going to be like people also get bored of series like they are just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like, when are you going to end this? People aren't very favorable to series that just kind of go on forever with Mm -hmm. no end in sight. It just feels like it feels in a way a kind of a bit like the director or the writers or whatever don't have control of it. It just feels like, oh, they're just going to keep writing as long as we keep watching, which doesn't feel as satisfying as someone going, no, there's an end. I know what the end is. Mm -hmm. I've written it. Um, And that's what was nice about this. Even though we didn't know what was going on, we 100% knew there was going to be an ending that tied this all together. There was no feeling, and I think if they came out like in longer (laughs) spaces, like as individual, you'd be like, does anyone, is that someone written the last film or like, you wouldn't know. Whereas with this, you're like, I know this has been filmed. I know that 1666 is done. Um, I know that the characters know how the story ends. There's someone out there who knows how the story ends. Um, And I'm going to get to see it in a couple of weeks. It's not going to be Game of Thrones all over again. Oh God, no, exactly. (laughs) There's not two idiots running the show. (laughs) um so yeah it's just something nice about it like Mm. even though you don't know what's going to happen knowing you're not gonna have to wait too long to find out
1: yeah you're in good um you're in good hands with the storytellers because they know where the story is going
2: yeah yeah while
3: at the same time seeding it so if it all goes really well we have the satisfaction of a really proper ending but we've opened up a whole world for two yes, more thoughts yeah. giving for... themselves a
2: little wiggle room for like yeah. something else there's, yeah. for, like, there's
3: so many years
0: <laughs> they could pick so one. many serial killers Fear Street <laughs>
2: like 1751 <laughs> Exactly. Just, like, random yeah. years there's
3: a lot of years to choose from so, <laughs> um,
1: so to wrap up um is there anything that you wanted to mention about fear street about any of the films the trilogy itself that perhaps we you haven't had a chance to talk about
3: <laughs> my only thing is that I totally love Gillian Jacobs who plays Ziggy <laughs> and I've mm. been obsessed with her since she played Mickey in love and I'm just so happy that she popped up again in the third one when I wasn't expecting it and I could just watch Gillian Jacobs all day <laughs> that's my only contribution
2: <laughs> I think I'm there Ziggy from like from from 78 to the like other films um is like probably my favorite character yeah yeah
0: um
2: it's yeah big big fa- i I'd opt for more Ziggy like yes <laughs> I agree actually <laughs> i like, yeah, I, I'm with I you. hope that's included in everything that that goes forward I also <laughs> wanted to talk about the when they come out of Nick Good's house right so the the girls mm. have murdered Nick Good mm-hmm. yeah um Sam's herself again they come out all bloodied they crawl out yeah. you know Nick Good's basement where the fuck yeah, they are um in Sunnyvale and <laughs> I love that because for a moment I was a bit nervous that they came out I was like oh shit they're gonna get like arrested. For like yeah. murdering Nick Good because mm-hmm. no one's gonna understand what's happened. Luckily, everyone figures out like Nick's blame for everything. But I love that they show that things have changed just by like a Sunnyvale like backing out of their driveway and immediately getting hit by a truck. Yes, and that's how you <laughs> What was that? That everything's back to normal <laughs> because yeah. they're like, oh, shit happened here now, actually. Yep. Um, and I think it really brought home, actually, how bad things were in Shadyside and how mm-hmm, good they were. Yeah. you don't really see much of Sunnyvale, right? Like, yeah. it's just implied they have nice houses, but you don't really see what their lives are like mm-hmm. in comparison to Shady Siders. And the fact that it's like, so they weren't even getting into car accidents. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing bad at all was really happening there. And I love that, that that's how they tell you. <laughs> yes, like, the old car. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I really love that. And I love that we got that glimpse of it because actually we didn't get to see how the other mm. half lived. Yeah, Um, And we didn't even really get to see necessarily what the day-to-day of shady-siders were like because we start with the murders in the mall. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to see just the everyday shit that was happening to them, just why their lives Mm. were never really going anywhere we just saw like the really like brutal stuff that happened so um I really love it that, that was that was the tell like it was just yeah. like oh and then a car accident happens and that's how you know things have gone and they're also shocked like the reaction of the sun- Sunny Bayless is like <gasps> and it's like yeah dude and also what's interesting is that the Sunny Baylors obviously don't know why this has happened to them mm-hmm. T- yes to be fair most of them don't know why their <laughs> lives are good they just assume it's because yeah. they're like great shiny people
0: um, yeah, exactly. so that's
2: actually really interesting to see the town like even out and for Sunny to be yeah. like wait what like it's like it's kind of unfair yeah <laughs> because they really didn't know but, in a satisfying um,
0: I, way <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> like just to see it all like even out and it be like yeah you weren't living normal lives and you had a good run but that's over now yeah um, you're done I quite like that yeah <laughs>
1: Oh, that's, that's, that's a really good observation. Now I'm just thinking, I do wonder, this might be this might be the stupidest thing I've said on this podcast so far. And I've said many (laughs) stupid things. Uh, I wonder if that last car crash was like a a sneaky reference to scary movie, because Mm. (laughs) Cindy gets run over by a car randomly at the end of that movie.
2: It is a fun... It also happens in Final Destination. Yes, it does. Of course. That's a smarter reference. That's a smarter
1: reference. It also happens
2: in Mean Girls. It's a really fun, like, thing to... Because you're always going to be surprised by, like, a high speed... Like, it's just a good way to shock you. But, like, yeah. Yeah. It's always um, a
1: bus as well.
2: Yeah, always a bus. So I... um. I think it's just something we, like it's always a good scare. It's always mm-hmm. a good like surprise. I don't, I don't think I've ever anticipated it in any film. It's actually happened. Yeah. So I think it's just like a really good way because it ties us back in like to all these films we love. It just is a way to tie it back to that. Even even that ending. At, yes. It coming at the end as well. It comes at the end of most films. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even to tie it back into that thing is just very clever. And again, it just feels like someone who really has a handle on these films really Mm. can just pull references from everywhere with ease. Um,
1: I think that's that. I'm very conscious of your time. So let's wrap it up here. But I just wanted to thank you both for your time and for your insight and for um, the many myriad of insults you've thrown. I
0: thoroughly
1: enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and um for any listeners who might be hearing you for the first time where can people find more of your work online
3: Isara, would you like to go first oh not a gentleman
0: Ah,
2: oh, a... <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitter at isara underscore bb where i post any of my work you find me on instagram at azarasaurus um and you can also find me <laughs> like i always forget at this point so the easiest part and i'm always like um what? Um you can also find me on the Final Girls website um under the Bloody Woman heading for reviews and stuff, but also my column Bloody Perfect.
3: Which is so good. Good work there. <laughs> <That's> very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um I'm on Instagram at Alison pierce which is A-L-I-S-O-N-P-E-I-R-S-E, or my website com, which is where you can read all about my book called Women Make oh Horror which is all about women making horror films and feminism. So it's extremely appropriate for this podcast.
1: And you can also subscribe (laughs) to Alison's newsletter, The Losers Club, on there.
3: Oh, thank you, Annie. I forgot about that. Yes, (laughs) please do that. Do that as well.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you both so much. Thank
3: Thank you. you.